Good morning, church. Delightful to have us all gathered together in a time of worship. And as we begin, I would ask you to please join me in the call to worship as printed in your bulletin. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall celebrate the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. People of God, let us worship the Lord.
Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. <clears throat> Let us join together in the prayer of confession. Um, let us begin. Merciful God, we have not loved you with all our beating. In your kindness, you formed the world as one glorious, diverse, many-colored place. In our stubbornness and sinful pride, we have distorted your intention for humanity and for all creation. As your church, we have often perpetuated the divisions Christ came to destroy. In your grace, forgive us and free us from the grip of sin. Help us to worship and serve you joyfully for the sake of the salvation of the entire world through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. And hear the words of assurance. The wideness of God's mercy, the range of God's forgiveness, the infinite love of God, the heart of hope, which is never empty. All these gifts are ours as God restores us to the fullness of life meant for us. Amen. May the peace of Christ be with you. As you leave this place today, go into all the world and share the peace of Christ with all of God's children. So the time in our service where we try just to briefly do a little bit of kingdom life, but I have news for you, it's mostly about missions, so sit back and relax. It will take a couple more minutes. I just have to be honest there. One thing I want to just remind us of, I think oftentimes we forget, is as you are leaving, there are offering baskets in the back. So we encourage you to participate in the ministry of the church in that way, as well as many other ways that are available to you. Um, if you are online, you will also see that there's an opportunity there for you to give to the church and the ministry. A couple of things I just want to highlight are Branch Barbecue, which is where we go and we serve the homeless, will begin this next month, August 28th. So we'll be down at Mission Bay. There's maps out on the mission table. You can grab those. The week before, we have a concert on the green. We just want you to come and relax, bring some food to share with others, and just enjoy. We have Dante Fire, so the bass player that you often see with our contemporary worship, he has his own ensemble, and they are coming and going to play for us, so it will be absolutely delightful to hear them. As you might have noticed, if you were in the lower parking lot, today is San Diego Rescue Mission, Christmas in July. I want to applaud you for all the stuff that you have brought. We're going to have to call another truck in to put everything in there. So we're very, very delighted. Isn't it, I mean, it's just awesome. Awesome, awesome. Now I have news for you. We're going to end the service at a quarter past 11. If you haven't given, you're close by, run home, or let me know, I'll wait for you, because, you know, we all have more than enough. So we'd encourage you to share that. Also, we're going to start collecting backpacks. We need backpacks for over 300 um, children who are um, in need, who can't afford them, and we have two mission partners that we're working with, New Day and also CareHouse. So we encourage you, there's information online about that, and um, we have just one other opportunity, and that's on August 21st. 
It's called Beautification Day. It's one day where they will let the church people come into public school campuses because they want us to work. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to paint, we're going to uh, help fix up play yards and other things so that when the students come to school, they'll have a fresh look to their campus. So more information with Patrick Singer, whom you will see outside after the church services. So we're delighted that there are many ways for you to engage. If you want more information, just talk to me after the service and trust me, I'll help you get engaged. the people, uh, we, actually you will join with me in the Lord's Prayer at the uh, conclusion of the prayers of the people. Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life and the cup of salvation. This is our assurance and our comfort. Today our world changes as quickly and fiercely as a strike of lightning, and we run to hide in the folds of your love. Grant us courage to approach these present challenges and in courage and strength. We pray for our world leaders, change their warring hearts to beat with compassion and love for all nations. 
Within this nation, built on a foundation of freedom and justice for all, grant that we would be able to see your image in each and every individual and treat them with respect and compassion. Here on our home ground, uh, much is done to help those who have barely enough to sustain life, and the demand continues to grow. We are grateful for those who commit to providing for their needs and pray for others to join the force of helpers. We pray for our schools and our teachers. We ask for courage and strength in training young minds in the paths of history, compassion, conservation, and preservation. We are thankful for those who gave so much of themselves during the time of the pandemic, putting themselves at risk to care for those who were critically ill. We pray for those who are now ill and ask for time for rest and healing. Return our members to us safe and well. We pray for Pastor Jack as he has a little time to rest and relax and enjoy his family childhood home. Grant him just enough ice cream. And now let the people of God join together in the prayer our Lord Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
We are incredibly blessed and gifted with who God has called to serve here through voice. And I'm going to sing like that when I get to heaven, I am convinced. But until then, don't worry about it. <laughs> also, um, dark chocolate. I mean, next time you're praying, just so you know, dark chocolate, just so you could pray that God would give me just enough dark chocolate for giving ice cream to Jack. Before we turn to the word, will you please join me in prayer? Holy Spirit of God, we ask that you would indeed guide us as we look to your scripture. May we have ears to hear, a heart to do your will, and the courage to step forward when you ask of us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first reading is from 2 Kings, Old Testament. A man came from Baal Shaliza, bringing food from the first fruits of the man of God, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in a sack. Elisha said, give it to the people and let them eat. But the servant said, how can I set this before a hundred people? So he repeated, give it to the people and let them eat. For thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. He set it before them and they ate and had some left according to the word of the Lord. And now will you please stand for the reading of the gospel. This is from the Gospel according to John. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fishes but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now, there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told the disciples, gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. They filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, the feeding of 5,000 is one of 
two miracles that all four Gospels record. What's the other one? This isn't a trick question. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually asking you. It's a resurrection. Oh, good. I have a nod over there. Where's that voice? There we go. The resurrection. So doesn't it seem strange to you that the resurrection, that all makes sense to us because that is, that is the, we are resurrection people. You know, we have Sunday. Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. All that makes sense to me. But why the feeding of 5,000? Even if you didn't grow up in church, most people know this story. Now, in the recording of the other, everyone has its own nuances. So in the recording, in Matthew, for example, he lets us know that, um, that it happened with um, women and children also. So 5,000 men, women and children. So this is when, you know, maybe you've heard somebody tell the story and he goes, it had to be like 20,000 people. I'm just saying, if there's 5,000, doesn't it seem like that's enough you're going to try and feed for one day? Do you really you know, need to multiply that? But we're going with 5,000 for today. But that's recorded in there. Also in Mark and in Matthew, it's recorded that this feeding happened soon after Jesus and his disciples found out that John the Baptist had been beheaded. So it's in the context of sorrow. In Luke, we see that the disciples had been sent out to do the ministry and had come back successfully. But Jesus said, boy, you are hungry and you're tired. Let's go to a place and rest. So you have this setting where they are weary and they are sad. Have ever seen somebody who is sad, their countenance, their shoulders drop. There is a, 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 a sadness, a pale that goes around them. So they had gone up just to have some respite, some rest time. And um, the other thing in the Gospels that are mentioned that John doesn't, but that's important and doesn't have to be mentioned to know that it happened, is that Jesus both taught and healed. Now, I grew up in a tradition where it was very, very important that every person knew Jesus personally as their Savior. And so we were really great at sharing that. We're not really great at doing social justice or social righteousness. Now, since I've all grown up, um, I oftentimes will go to a place where social righteousness is, is so important. How are we ministering to the people? How are we caring for them? But they forget that you also need the teaching. You also need to know who Jesus is. That's your motivation, to go out into the world and be Christian people doing the good and the righteousness that God calls us to do. Jesus talks to both of that. And Jesus does both of that. So he both speaks and he has action. And we're seeing that unfold in, in the uh, four recorded gospel stories of the feeding of 5,000. So I think that we can agree that with 5,000, it's um, a boatload of people. <laughs> it's a pretty sensational number that is going on there. And, um, and that we have a holistic Jesus who cares about mind, body, soul. All of that is, is kind of brought into this part. Now, John is a little bit different than others in that um, John cares about um, uh, not so much chronologically where they are, but what's going on in terms of Jesus' call. So you have the great, you know, the seven I am's that are in the Gospel of John. And he's trying to put into place 
and an order that makes sense to him theologically of what's going on. So it's a little bit different than how you might observe it in the other Gospels. You're not going to get the exact sequence that you do in John with the others, but you get the same story, that a miracle happens, a miracle not just for one or two people, which is often the way it happens, but for 5,000 people plus all at once. So um, as we go through this, we see that um, John wants us to show us that the master teacher does what he does by co-opting, or as I would call it, by working collaboratively together with his disciples. Now, they're kind of the mini church at this time. You know, they're just kind of this small little group that's following Jesus and he's teaching them, and, but he's doing things with them. If you do nothing else today, go out of here thinking, I'm in partnership with Jesus. We're doing this together because that's what Jesus calls us to do. And this is a great example, and it's really, really good because he kind of uses people that aren't ready for prime time. If you look, look at, the, if you were grading in a teacher, one would get an F on the homework and the other would maybe get a C. Let's look more closely. So you have uh, the idea that it's up in the Sea of Tiberias. They're up in what's called the northwest part of it. And that's written in there so that you know that this is an unfamiliar place. This is not known to the other disciples. So that's going to let you know they don't know where the local Kmart is. They don't know where Gelson's or Ralph's located. So they can't go, oh, we can go and get food there. They're in a strange place. They're up there. They're all together. And um, we also know that it's close to the Passover. Think about the Passover. This, again, this is very John uh, Gospel-oriented. The Passover was observed every year. And what is the Passover about? It's about the release of bondage. It's about hope from the suffering that the people of God had gone through. And every year they remember it. Now, they're not in bondage in terms of slave, but they're under the Roman rule. So there is a part of them that still longs that freedom. There's a part of them that knows how important the Passover meal is. And John brings it in here because guess what? In John 19, Jesus' death and then following was his resurrection the Passover fulfilled once for all, for all people. And he wants people to remember that. He wants people to walk through that. So that begins. So hungry people have arrived. Now, they've arrived uninvited, by the way. Thank you very much. And they need to be fed. Now, some of us might think, well, good luck with that. We, we didn't invite you here. But Jesus doesn't do that. Um, and in fact, in John's version, Jesus is the one who initiates a conversation. He turns to Philip and he asks a where question. Where are we going to get food for these people? And Philip, who in other places has really does this tremendous job as a follower of Jesus, goes, there is no way. Do you know how much money this would be? This is six months wages. It would cost like over $13,000 today. We can't. How in the world? Can we feed these people? But Jesus didn't ask a how question. He asked a where question. Where are we going to get the food for the people? And Philip responds, how can we do this? Now Jesus knew what Philip would say and he wanted to test him. And so um, that's, that, that may not seem fair to you, 
if you watch the Olympics, which if you read my e-blast, you know I kind of love the Olympics and it's really great. What I love is the stories behind it. I love the way in which the people have been challenged to get to where they are today. They didn't just wake up one day and go, oh, I think I'll, you know, do this today. I think I'll be the fastest runner. They worked. They were tested. They had trials. They have, they have some who, you know, a gymnast who snapped his Achilles tendon. My husband did that years ago. That is painful, and it's very, very hard to recover. He's doing really well. He's in the Olympics. Tested, but kept going. Jesus wants to test Philip. Philip, are you with me? Are you ready to do this stuff with me? And so uh, Philip doesn't really do very well. I think even as Christians, we get tested. Maybe not like the Olympians do, but oftentimes much more difficult, perhaps. Jim Edwards, a professor, uh, taught a bunch of pastors every year, and I went up soon after a very tragic thing had happened in our family. And he was sharing about his own tragedies as a pastor and as a professor. And he said, it makes you more believable Christians when you've gone through things and you have the faith to help others when they are suffering. I'm like, really? Really? I think I'm believable enough before this last incident. Thank you very much. I used to kind of take that song, just give me Jesus, and say, just give me fluff, give me fluff, make it easy, give me fluff. Five years later, I saw him and I said, oh, you're right. And he put his arm around me and said, I wish I weren't, but I know it to be true. I know it to be true in my own life. He wants Philip to be prepared for what's going on, and he tests him. Philip gets an F, by the way. I don't have enough money. So Jesus asks where. Philip responds, how so? I even think sometimes when we look at the needs around us and we say, it's just too hard, it's too difficult, it takes too much time, they shouldn't have come unprepared. It's on them. Let them figure this out. Let them go out and get their own food. In fact, in the other Gospels, Philip kind of goes, let them go away and find the food and, and then they can, you know, send them away now. We're done with them. I think too often we see issues and we think, oh, somebody else's problem. Governments maybe, but Jesus is saying, hey, where will we get what we need to help these people? So in walks Andrew. Now, Andrew is the brother of Peter. Being the youngest of four, that was not an uncommon, oh, this is Sebes, or he was called Butch when he was young. This is Butch's baby sister. This is Hillary's sister. This is Teresa's sister. I'm like, can I just be Janet or Jan? Or, you know, it just, so you kind, of, you kind of know that you're known by somebody else, and that's Andrew. Andrew's like, but he comes with this little boy, and he goes, you know, well, I found this, this kid who, who has five barley loaves and, and two fishes. <sighs> How can that feed people? Paraphrasing a little bit there, but it's the same, it's the same idea. How can we ever manage to feed all these people with this little bit? Now, I don't know about you, but if you've ever been a mom and you pack a lunch for a kid, the first thing you say is, if it's the only food they have all day long, don't you dare share that. Don't let anyone take your food from you. You keep that food. <laughs> Jesus takes it from the kid. This is a, an interesting part because children are insignificant at that time. They are not counted. So. Matthew is correct in saying women and children. 
they, they were not counted, so there were at least 5,001. I'll give them that credit. And so this little kid comes with little barley loaves, little fish, and a little bit of faith, I think. Now, barley loaves, something you should know about those is that horses love them. People, not so much. The very poorest of the poor got barley loaves. That's the one thing they could make. They're kind of biscuits, they're kind of hard, they're kind of not delicious, but that's what he had. Tiberius, the Sea of Galilee, Tiberius, Sea of Tiberius is full of sardines. Mmm, goody. So there are your little fish, there are your barley loaves. You know, I wouldn't really say it's a gourmet, gourmet, gourmet meal there. <clears throat> but the story quickly moves on. And Jesus said this, he takes it. He's going to make something sensational out of, out of these five barley loaves and two fishes. And he goes, okay, disciples, get the people to sit down on the grass. And the grass is green. It's, if it's close to Passover, it's a springtime. It's beautiful. And, um, and it's just lovely. Get them to sit down, and then we'll feed them. I don't know if you know where Kate Sessions Park is. It's over in Pacific Beach, and it's kind of on a steep hill, you know. But you can sit on that hill. I'm nodding. She's like going. You sit on the hill, and you look out over the city of San Diego. It's really lovely. Probably 200 people could fit there. The, the place where we're having the concert on the green a couple weeks, we can hold 300 or more people there when I pray that we do. And, um, and you're going to sit on the grass, and you're going to hear music, you're going to eat. But Jesus said, hey, have them sit on the grass, and we'll feed them. Come August 28th, we're going to serve for the first time the homeless in 18, 19 months. It's been that long since we've been able to serve them. We serve them down at Mission Bay. We have maps on the tables outside or contact me. I'll let you know how we're going to do that. But uh, Tom and Jill Harbreck, members of our church, kind of coordinate this. And I was talking to Tom the other day and he said, yeah, Jim, we have to wait till August. But when we do it, he said, you know, there may be people there, the homeless who come who are not yet vaccinated. And we want to not harm them in any way. He said, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to wear gloves, we're going to all have masks on, and then we're going to have them sit down on the grass. And we're going to serve them. I'm like, wow, this sounds so familiar. Isn't this great? We're going to sit down and we'll come and we'll serve you. And we'll do it in a way that protects you in case you haven't been vaccinated. That's a lovely idea. I hope you join us. So Jesus takes the little, top little barley loaves and he breaks it and he gives thanks to God. Now there's a connection with the second Kings passage I read earlier. You see, Elijah takes what is given to him, which isn't enough by human standards, but he lifts it up to the Lord, he gives thanks and God multiplies. And then he has that distributed. So Jesus has it distributed and the passage in Second Kings says, give to the people and let them eat, for thus says the Lord, they shall eat and have some left. Sounds familiar. They got their fill, their bellies were full, and they had some left over. So, church, what happens next? And this is almost like an, it seems like an afterthought because Jesus said, okay, you have, take the fragments, which don't mean like crumbs, it just means pieces that are left, 
collect them together, the 12 baskets, that's a perfect number in the Bible, 12 disciples, this is great, it's ending really well, it's just wonderful, great, let's go, this is a miracle, we even helped with the miracle, we even trusted God to do this, and then the people get a little overzealous. This is a prophet, let's seize him and make Jesus king. Don't you love it when you have a plan for Jesus? I'm sure none of you have ever had a plan for Jesus. These people had a plan for Jesus. And Jesus, I think at this point, is just going, okay, you've seen me do miracles. I have just fed you. Your bellies are full. And now you want to seize me and make me king. Only I will be made king by my Father's will. Come back later, after I've given my life, after I've been resurrected, then, indeed, King of kings, Lord of lords. But you don't decide that. The Father in heaven decides that. Jesus quietly moves away. So who are you in this story? Are you Philip that has had some great highlights but just goes, you know, how can this be done? We look at church budgets and, and too often we say, how can this be done? And I'm thinking, where can we go? What can we do? I have to look at the church budget, too. I have a very tight budget at home. I want you to know that. Very careful with the budgets here at church. It's our responsibility. But we need to ask that where question. And then more importantly, or just as importantly, rather than the how will I ever be able to do this, Lord, where do you want to send me? Where do we go as a community? Because we know, Lord, we're going to go with you. Where are you sending us? Where are we going to help you? Where are we in the midst of a collaborative, caring community? There are so many opportunities to work for Jesus in the world. Don't miss out. Amen.
Will you join with me in the affirmation of faith? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Will you please stand for the benediction? Okay, if you still have stuff you want to bring, please bring it. Go home and come back, whatever you do. I think about spirit of the living God fall afresh on me. Melt me, 
mold me, fill me, use me. Can I have an amen? amen? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.